Good afternoon. Well, it is the second of our third Advent talks called You Expect Me to Believe This. And uh, we're exploring the miracles of the Christmas Advent story. This week, we're looking at the virgin birth. Next week, we're going to finish. Lewis is going to come and preach a baby God. Now, one of atheism's uh, most famous spokespeople, probably heard of him, Richard Dawkins, he said this, the virgin birth, the resurrection, the raising of Lazarus, even the Old Testament miracles, all are freely used for religious propaganda, and they are very effective with an audience of unsophisticates and children. Hmm. Cheers, Rich. Cynicism of the virgin birth in Glasgow is probably better summed up not by Richard Dawkins, but maybe Kevin Bridges. You might have seen his sketch where he talks about Joe the carpenter on the workies site. He's chatting to the workies at lunch and he's telling them all about how Mary, who he's betrothed to, has become pregnant. And at first they're like, yeah, boy, good man, yeah, good on you, well done, big man. And then he tells them, no, no, it's not like that. By the end of it, they're saying, mate, she's mental, she's psycho, get her there. And he says, atheism wasn't made up in the universities or by intellects, but made up on a building site in Nazareth. But the truth is, we all need a miracle to believe in. I heard an interview this week with Vince Vitale, nothing to do with wrestling, not that Vince, a professor from the Ravi Zacharias Institute, and he said that everyone believes in some form of a virgin conception. You just need to decide on which one you believe. First one. The cosmos spontaneously came into existence without any pre-existing ingredients. Second one, the cosmos is eternal without any explanation of how this eternal thing with natural laws could have begun. Or there is an eternal God outside the natural who created everything we see, the whole cosmos, by supernatural power. Quentin Smith, philosopher, atheist, said this, the most reasonable belief is that we came from nothing, by nothing, and for nothing. How cheery, Quentin. But if we go for option number three, we can have hope. If the God of the Bible created it all, then we can believe in a virgin birth, or more accurately, a virgin conception. Then we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and we can believe in new life for us, an eternal life for us. We can have great hope. Virgins do not become pregnant by laws of nature. Virgins do not say it again, become pregnant by laws of nature. So if that's our only way of assessing this whole thing, yeah, sure, couldn't have happened. 
But if there is a creator outside of the natural, then he has every right to interrupt the natural with the supernatural. And there is no reason that we shouldn't believe it didn't happen. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. If you were to put 100 pounds in your top drawer before you went to bed one night, and then the second night, you put another 100 pounds into the drawer, by the laws of mathematics, even I can work this one out, you get 200 pounds, right? If you then wake up the next morning and there's only 50 pounds left, then it isn't the law of mathematics that is wrong, it is the law of the land that has been broken. You see, if there is something outside of the natural, then it can break into the natural and that law can be interrupted. If God is responsible for creation, then you can trust that there was a virgin birth, that the resurrection took place too, and that we have great hope in new life that Jesus offers us. If there was a virgin birth, a virgin conception, not only was a miracle baby birthed, but so too was hope for all the world. I'm going to read from Isaiah 7, verse 14. And then I'll read from uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. So if you've got a Bible, grab one, whether you're at home or here in the building. Great to follow along in your Bibles. Can I just encourage you as well? If uh, you come along regularly, just really encourage you, like bring a Bible. I know a lot of you just use apps on your phones and things, but I find it so helpful to put my phone away, put it to the side, Get it out of the way and open up the Bible and, and read along. Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You might not have noticed, although I'm sure you have in 2020, the world is a mess. Come on. We've all lived through this year. Let's face up to the reality. The world's a mess. In the virgin birth, hope was born for all, for all people, 
throughout all of history and in all circumstances. Matthew shows us in verse 23 that this, it fulfills a 700-year-old prophecy at the time. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. The first reason that the virgin birth gives us hope is that God has entered into the mess with us. All through this year, God has been with us. John opens his gospel account uh, talking about the Word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. You may feel alone in your suffering. You may be going through stuff right now. We just feel like no one can really understand me. No one gets this. Well, there is a person who has entered into it with you, not only in his life, tempted, hurt, broken, misunderstood, bereaved, rejected, beaten, killed. But by the second birth, which very much couples, pairs this virgin birth, We'll come on to in a minute. He offers to be with you in your suffering today. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says this, Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, We had um, some friends in Poole who we would go and see from time to time. And um, I went one day to go and pray, this guy Tony, and he came to faith a number of years before, but a bit later on in his life, uh, when he was stationed in Northern Ireland as a soldier. And um, when I met him, he'd been ravaged with cancer for years all kinds of treatments and just brutal. But he was tough. But it wasn't because he was tough that he got through it. Let me just let you in on a secret here. People like me are supposed to go and visit people and help them, pray with them, open up the Bible with them, talk with them. I hope we can in some ways help. I hope God uses us in that way. But can I tell you, most of the time, they encourage us more. You know why? Because they get what it means, not only to have the hope of eternity before them, but to have the hope that they are living in, that God is with them. God is with them in their suffering. He inspired me that day. I remember coming away like just on fire for God because I got that God was with him. I saw it in his eyes. God walking with him. Reason number one for receiving hope from the virgin birth, Emmanuel. God with us. Second reason the virgin birth gives us hope it anticipates 
the end of sin. Sin. Whoa, what a popular word, right? Everyone in our culture loves to talk about sin, don't they? Well, it's a word that we get totally wrong. It's a word that does not just mean that you have done some kind of naughty indulgence, had too many chocolates at Christmas, and some religious type is going to judge you for that. Had a few too many drinks, someone's going to judge me. That's not, that's not the essence of sin. That is not what sums up sin. Sure, there's sin in that, but that is not really what we're talking about. There's far bigger issues with sin than we assume today. And it is a much wider, much bigger problem. It is the human propensity to mess things up and infect everything and everyone else around you. Truth is, each of us are born rank with sin. Each of us are born minging, pure clotty with sin. What contradiction in terms of that classical term is, right? Pure clotty. Anyway, since Adam, we are born that way. And pride keeps us going that way. There is a virus much more dangerous than COVID that we should fear far more than we do a pandemic. This virus everyone has, this virus will cause death for anyone who is not purified of it who is not cleansed from it, and it is sin. In the virgin conception, God breaks the pattern of sin that's been established in Adam. He is, this is Jesus, Jesus is legally Joseph's in the story. And that is because he is to fulfill God's promise to be the Messiah from the stump of Jesse, from David's line. That's why Matthew begins with a genealogy, a a family tree. Jesus had to come from that line. And so legally, that is what what he is. And that's why it's particularly important that Joseph marries Mary and is the legal paternal guardian. Like King David in Psalm 51, though, we can all say, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus could not say that. Because Jesus is conceived of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is free from sin. Born free from sin. Conceived free from sin. He is born holy in contrast to our sinfulness to our mess that we have been born into. The world's a mess, but Jesus contrasts that mess in every way. In uh, Dr. Luke's gospel account, chapter 135, Mary asks Gabriel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How, how is it that I am supposed to have a baby when I've never had sex? 
he responds, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, overshadow you. So the Holy One of God will be called the Son of God. He is born of God and not Adam. He is born holy and not sinful holiness. Well, that's a, another antiquated term, isn't it? One that maybe our culture wouldn't give too much time. How are religious of you? Well, if I tell you that's exactly what all of us need, would you be surprised? That is the thing this Christmas that you need. You might be thinking, oh, I want this for Christmas. I want that for Christmas. I want to I be able to receive this gift and I want to be able to see that person. No, no, that's great. But here's the one thing you really need. Holiness, purification, forgiveness of sin. You need to be set apart from this clotty world. And that's really what holiness means, to be set apart from the world and to belong to God. That's what holiness is. We try to do it ourselves our pride but we only make it worse it's like my DIY projects the more I tamper with them the worse they get just ask Lindsay days until I have to phone somebody who actually knows what they're doing to come and help me everything we touch just gets worse we're desperate to fix our own problems because we want to be in control we're desperate like the atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel admits we, because we all have a cosmic authority problem. A cosmic authority problem. It's why people don't give the idea of God's existence the time it deserves. It's why people are in denial and don't want, to be tr- want this to be true. Pride. We want to be in control of our own destiny why we struggle with authority we're born with it and it's at the heart of this dreadful sin problem but here in the gospels we see one who is born holy and everything jesus touches gets better not worse he doesn't get infected with sin when he touches the unclean. He cleanses it and forgives. When the impure touch him, they are cleansed. When the sinners draw near, they are forgiven. In Matthew 9, there's a a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and she fights her way through the crowds and touches the cloak of Jesus. A normal rabbi would be horribly offended because she's legally unclean. He'd be horrified. He'd be kicking her off and and running away. Not Jesus. As the crowd tries to give this unclean woman space in case they get infected, a bit like when we see someone cough these days, Jesus says, take heart, your faith has healed you. 
Jesus means the Lord saves. He's come to save us from our sins and cleanse us from their toxic consequences. As Gabriel declared in verse 21 to Joseph in a dream, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice one thing here too. This virgin conception, okay, not the virgin birth. Mary had to go through quite a lot of work at the virgin birth, okay? But at the virgin conception, there is a mark of grace. No one did anything except God. To receive forgiveness of sin, purification, holiness, God requires of you nothing. The grace of God is that you do nothing and Jesus welcomes you in. At the conception, no one did a thing except God. Jesus is your substitute. You and I deserve the cross. This one, the one who was holy, he did it for you. He exchanged his holiness for your sins on that cross. You did nothing to receive the gift of holiness this Christmas. This Christmas, let's do this. Remind ourselves daily in prayer, I did nothing. Jesus did it all. Reason number two for receiving hope through the virgin birth, it anticipates the end of sin. And the third reason for hope in the virgin birth is that it anticipates death's death. We are all desperate to escape death. I mean, you just had to watch the news this year. The fear that COVID caused. How horrified we were when we saw death, when civilized places like New York had mass graves, how offensive we think it is when people aren't dying in a place that is separate from the rest of us. We would do anything for this big secret not to be revealed. But the truth is, we are guaranteed one thing in life. We will all die. The ultimate consequence of sin is death. Genesis 3, final consequence of sin, return to the dust you came from. But in Bethlehem, in the town of David, the womb anticipates a tomb. A tomb that God would turn into a womb for humanity to receive new life. For people to be born a second time. In chapter 27 of Matthew's gospel, he records this. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. Different Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. 
Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb. New tomb. That he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. There's a young British theologian who I love to read called uh, Alistair Roberts. He says this, Just as Christ is the one who opens up the tomb, so he is the one that opens up the womb. He's the one who is laid in the virgin tomb in which no man has previously been laid. And he's been born of the virgin in which no man has laid. You see how they're coupled? From Mary's virgin womb, God is born into humanity. From Joseph of Arimathea's virgin tomb, humanity is born into God. Jesus is the firstborn of a new creation. Jesus is a far better Adam. And now we are, as Colossians 3.3 says, hidden in Christ. No longer in Adam, no longer in sin, but in Christ, free from sin and declared holy when we put our trust in him. Wow. Christmas is glorious. Again, that favorite Christmas hymn, Heart the Herald, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Compilation of early Jewish writings called the Toldoth Jesu acknowledged that the tomb was empty and that it must be explained away. We also know that there was a second century debate between a Jew and a Christian in which the Jew admits that it looked that there was no one in that tomb. That the tomb was empty. And so therefore, someone must have stolen Jesus' body. However, if you look at this historically, Jesus was born in extraordinary circumstances, claimed to be the resurrection of the life, was crucified on a Roman cross, and his body was no longer in the tomb on the third day. When the church was born at the Pentecost festival, under Peter's preaching, thousands of people saved. They asked, what must we do to be saved? And more than 3,000 come to faith. The very city that had rejected Jesus only weeks before, called for him to be killed, swapped with the criminal Barabbas. They put their trust in this. Jesus must have risen from the dead. It's why 11 of the 12 apostles were willing to be killed on the basis that they had seen and touched and heard the risen Jesus. And I expect that the 12th was willing to. He just happened to die of natural causes. Eric Metaxas writes in his book, Miracles. On those points, there is almost zero doubt. The doubt only comes in on how Jesus left the tomb. Just as the nothingness 
of the darkness before there was anything required supernatural birth at creation and the dust required supernatural birth at the birth of humanity, so too does the new birth of humanity in Jesus require supernatural creation. The third reason for hope in the virgin birth is that it anticipates death's death. The fourth reason, and the last one I'll give, is that it anticipates the coming of the Holy Spirit. Notice the language of the conception from Gabriel's announcement to Mary and Luke's gospel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Overshadow you. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Well, those of you who have read some of your Old Testament, maybe you were given religious uh, lessons at Catholic school, you went to the BB or the GB or Sunday school, think of the tabernacle, that great tent, the tent of meeting in the camp of the Israelites, this pre-temple structure, the cloud of the presence of God rested, overshadowed the tabernacle. What did it signify? His presence, his holiness. The presence of God is what brings about new life. At creation, the Spirit hovered over the deep. At the virgin conception, the Spirit overshadowed Mary. And it is the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, and it is the Holy Spirit who births the church at Pentecost, and it is the Holy Spirit who lives in you who believe. If the Spirit of God rose Jesus from the dead, then he is the one and only living hope for the whole world. And he can walk with us by the same Spirit today until he returns. That is what makes that first reason possible. That he walks with us in our suffering, that he is with us, that he is Emmanuel. It's that Jesus rose from the dead, was ascended on high, and at Pentecost poured out his Holy Spirit to birth the church. And that the Holy Spirit continues to fall on his people. Emmanuel, God with us. This Christmas, I mean, what a gift! What a gift! We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. This Christmas, can I encourage you, will you do this? If you do nothing else, will you do this? Will you spend time with God? I know there's so much that could make you busy. I know that you've got family coming over, you're going over to family, or you're seeing friends or you're busy working that day, or something is going on that's going to make you busy, but can I just say there is nothing more important than this. Spend time with God and acknowledge, like I want us to do right now, that He is with us. He's in this room. He's filled you, if you're a believer, as a temple as a tabernacle. 
You have been made holy. And he's entered into you. The presence of God himself. This Christmas, spend time dwelling on that gift. He's with you. Talk to God. Talk to your Father. Abba, Father. Talk to Jesus because by the Holy Spirit, he is with you. The Spirit has come so you can be empowered to be like Jesus. The Spirit has come so you can be with your Father. The Spirit has come to help you overcome sin. The Spirit has come to remind you of grace. The Spirit of come has come to guide you in God's ways. The Spirit has come to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus, the hope of your family the hope of your friends, the hope of your neighbors, the hope of the poor and the destitute has come by the Spirit and dwelt not only somewhere in the world. He's not only come somewhere in this world. He's come and he has come and entered into you. Enjoy his presence this Christmas. Which virgin birth do you believe in? Is it the cosmos spontaneously came into existence without pre-existing ingredients? Is it that the cosmos is eternal without any real explanation of how this natural can have a supernatural component in being eternal? Or that there is a God and as the Bible reveals, supernaturally he created the natural and he has intervened in it through a virgin conception and the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of of the dead. If it is that the God of the Bible created it all, we can also know this hope, Emmanuel, God with us, the end of our sin, the defeat of death, and the promised Holy Spirit. Father, Thank you that because of the virgin conception, because of your miraculous intervention, we know you, that your spirit is here. Thank you that we know number three is true. Thank you that you love us, you're with us, you care for us. Thank you that even though there is a problem that is so much bigger, so much wider, so much more out of control than the pandemic we live in, Lord, we thank you that you have overcome it, that death has no more hold over us. That sin has no more hold over us. That we are resurrected people people who have been given a second birth. Come, Holy Spirit, would you use us this Christmas to help people see the truth, that Jesus, you're alive, that Jesus, you are eternal and good, and you invite us to come and be with you forever. Amen. Okay, I'd love us to spend some time in communion. And um, this is a time for us to remember this Jesus who has come 
and sacrificed for us, who's laid his glory by so that he could be with us. And so what I'd love us to do, if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you've given your life to him, if you've put your faith in him, then this is for you. If you've not, just encourage you right now, this, this isn't a moment for you. Just don't worry about it. Just relax while we do this. But if it is you, uh, we have four tables, one here, one here, one here, one here, every corner of the room. And um, we just ask you to keep to those socially distanced rules and um, try your best to do that as you come up to take bread and wine. Um, as Andy and the band lead us in worship, just take it in your own time. I'm just going to read to us uh, from 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, just to prepare our hearts to take communion together as we are reminded of this perfect and spotless lamb who brought our freedom from sin and death with his blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Let's, um, let's worship together. Let's take communion together. Um, if you would, I mean, not if, <laughs> worship with all your heart. I know that it's hard because we can't sing, okay? Um, but him. At him, hum, at hum, clap, dance, do what you want to do to worship. Raise your hands. Um, let's really worship this Jesus who has come near, who has come to be with us, who is here by the power of the Holy Spirit.